Hello, hello, my beautiful people. I am so excited to be here today, kicking off our new series, honey, our new beginning. My first um, trio was really introducing myself to you all. Um, And most importantly, I was getting introduced to y'all. So I am so excited to be coming at you with yet again another three-part series, honey. Now, before we begin uh, begin into this journey, it is very important that I explain the name behind our fire screens series so if you uh, have been lucky enough to listen to one of my lives please check it out 8983 aj if you know me honey i am always going live i am always ready for a yarn and most importantly honey i am always ready for open communication that is what i love and that is what i live for so getting into this concept of fire screens you know back in the day or my parents days or their parents days we were able to come around together sit around a fire have a yarn pull up a chair pull up a crate whatever we're sitting on sit around the fire and have a yarn talk about various topics touch base reconnect develop a friendship stay up to date whatever it was for aboriginal people the concept of sitting around a fire is such an important element so that is where the idea of fire screens comes from because originally we were around these fires even pre-colonization but now honey we are around these screens to all my non-indigenous um, people i want to also acknowledge you all thank you for being here today and again engaging with indigenous australia in such a genuine such a grassroots and such a holistic way because like i've said it and i will say it again my podcast or anything that i touch or create is so genuine i am not here for any ulterior motives rather than take the opportunity to touch base with you all so now the first episode of fire screens as you've seen from the title is called figureheads so we are getting into it guys i am not holding back i am locked loaded and ready to go yet again if some of you guys have been listening to my lives on instagram you will already know what's up you already know what time it is because i am done with these figureheads honey i am coming for these figureheads i am coming for these heads black australia has had enough we have had enough of the silencing we have had enough of the exploitation honey and i am here to read you for filth i am here to speak the truth honey provide a critical analysis wrap it up in a bow and some pretty wrapping paper honey and i will deliver that to your door so that is episode number one of fire screen now i'm not going to get into the detail for the other two episodes but briefly we're exploring black love but also another integral element to that honey is black heartbreak 
The second concept, or the third rather, sorry, that I will be touching on is colonization. Now, this concept of uh, figureheads today, this episode is definitely touching on colonization. All three of these will be really, really going in, um, into the depths, into the crevices, and into the truth of colonization in the 21st century, honey. Because we ain't dancing around it, we are, are not avoiding it, we are diving deep, deep in, honey honey like a cool freshwater stream honey flowing 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 we are ready to be cleansed we are ready to hear some truth honey but most importantly we are here to be informed because until you know the truth until you see it for all that it is honey it is insidious and it gives it the upper hand so speaking of upper hands let's get into this podcast figureheads so before i want to begin i always want to explain i always want to state it is so important that you decolonize your mind any concept any understanding any pre-thought any notion that has been provided to you take it away this is all about lived experience i don't care if you came from the north shore i don't care if you came from brie warrena i don't care if you came from anala what we are here to do baby is talk about lived experience we cannot be provided we cannot be prescribed we cannot be defined definitions by the welfare state or by education because we are shooting ourselves in the foot before we even begin the race so moving on to the concept of figureheads now obviously everything that i talk about is my own thoughts everything that i'm presenting to you guys are my own ideas my own i don't know developments lived experience and that is your responsibility to pick up on some of the things i say and apply them to your own life i am not a guru this is not a dictatorship i am not an indigenous specialist as some people like to call themselves because personally, there is no such thing as an Indigenous specialist, honey, let me tell you. I don't even like the idea of an Indigenous consultant. Because Indigenous perspectives are so interpersonal. Indigenous perspectives are so unique. that Even the concept of indigeneity homogenizes us. We are such a unique and diverse people. Everybody's tribal group, everyone in everyone's clan has their own experience. But that is for another yarn, honey. But let me be crystal clear my thoughts my views are my own i don't represent anybody else except me diving straight into this concept of figureheads that's why you're all here that is why we're here today to discuss the figureheads that have become ever so prevalent in indigenous australia Now, I would arguably like to say over the last 10 years, maybe even 15, there has been a really big influx of people coming into Indigenous Australia, or let's be crystal clear, honey, Black Australia. And all of a sudden, we are getting these people speaking 
for mob. We are getting these people speaking for community. But you want to know the funny thing of all? These people have no connection to it whatsoever. The irony. The irony. Now, before we get into it, I don't want you to think it's a coincidence that the people that are figureheads in Black Australia right now are not closely connected to community, closely connected to mob, and even closely connected to their families or their lineage. It is not a coincidence that we are seeing this racial hierarchy breaking out in Indigenous Australia. I have said it yet again in my lives, honey, 8983 AJ on Instagram. There is a racial hierarchy within Indigenous Australia that prioritizes and props up those that are closer or in close proximity to whiteness. I said it. I said it, I said it, and I said it. And I will say it again. What we're seeing now with these figureheads is this concept of palatability coming into play. What we're seeing coming into play with these figureheads is white acceptability. How is someone gonna like me gonna understand white acceptability, the nuances of being white, when I have no no no, no point, no point of contact? I have no reference point, like myself and countless other indigenous people in this country that are embedded in their blackness. Now let me be crystal clear: this concept. It's not about your race or how much black you are or how much white. Let's transcend that. That is a colonial concept. What I'm talking about here is a simple black fella notion. You either are or you ain't. It is not about your blood. It is about your connection to culture. But even in, in itself. Now, please, if you have not listened to my uh, previous podcast called Culture, it is your responsibility to get over there and listen to it. But what I'm trying to say, guys, is what we understand indigenate, or let me be crystal clear, being Aboriginal is being connected to your culture. But what are the elements that make up culture? It is not just one aspect. It's not just the dance. It's not just the paint. It's not just the singing. It's not just the carvings. It's not just the the tools or the artifacts or the history or the violence or the colonization. It is a an accumulation of elements just like anyone's understanding of culture it is complex and multifaceted honey so why 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 are these figureheads being so dissociated from everything i just said is it a coincidence is it a coincidence that many of these figureheads have lived very different lives than what is the experience of Indigenous Australia. What is the experience of the majority? 
Is it a coincidence? Of course it's not. It's power dynamics. What we're seeing is those that are further high up on the hierarchy, those that are on the tippy 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 top, are speaking, have the microphones, are winning the awards, are speaking on the interviews, are on the mainstream media, are on the news, are the journalists, are the artists, are the poets, the novelists, the academics. Those are the people that have become the figureheads of black Australia. Those that are embedded in mainstream Australia. I myself have never been afforded the opportunity to be an Australian citizen in what it entirely means. I have never been afforded the opportunity to be in mainstream Australia. Since the day I've been conceived, I have always been black. My parents are black. I am black. Their parents are black. But most importantly, embedded and connected to country and community. These are fundamental characteristics to my life. They're called, I believe they're called predisposed characteristics or something along those lines or social characteristics. Please forgive me. There's some specific word. But those are the characteristics that you are attributed even before you were born. That is what I'm talking about. Now you may think, why is this a problem? Can't everybody speak? Can't we all have recognition of the the different lived experiences within Indigenous Australia? Or can't we understand that these people in their positions are using their platforms to speak for us? And, you know, they're using their platforms to draw attention to and they're in these, these conversations and they're in these rooms and they're batting for us and they're speaking on for the rest of us or they're speaking on the, the disparities between them. No, let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there. It doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. It never has. In order to be a part of the mainstream, you have to, you have to dissociate from blackness. (laughs) I hear this saying quite often, oh, I grew up in two worlds. And that is a very abstract, that is a very um, symbolic way of explaining your identity. But how does that correlate with the black ideologies or the Aboriginal ideologies of either being you are or you aren't? Or the black understanding of of our identity being embedded in our culture? No, no part of that says two worlds. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why do others, uh, why are others afforded the opportunity to walk between two worlds when the rest of us (laughs) are struggling to walk in one? That is the problem with these figureheads. You cannot accurately represent 
you cannot accurately encapsulate the black experience because you have not been attributed those characteristics or those attributes or those experiences I don't need people that don't look like me to speak for me listen to what I'm saying I do not need people that don't look like me to speak for me because you don't know what it's like you don't know what it's like being a black presenting woman in Australia being an aboriginal presenting woman in Australia you don't know just like I can't speak for someone that is white passing I can't tell them what their life's been like. I can't tell them what their experiences have been like. I can't tell them how that lived experience has shaped them into the person they are. So why is the opposite happening? Why is the opposite happening where people that don't have that lived experience are speaking? But of course, if we bring conversations up like this, it's lateral violence. Because what's happening? The power dynamics. The power dynamics of connectedness to whiteness and white acceptability are back in our lives again. Now, let me be crystal clear. I am very, I have been raised very old school. If you don't get it by now, you maybe never get it, but I'm very, very old school. My parents are very, very old school black fella. I have never been raised to question someone's aboriginality. That is not something my parents have ever, ever taught me because I understand the complexities of identity, of skin color, of all of it as a product of the the colonization we've experienced but most importantly it's what's in your heart i have talked about before i have a daughter who has a non-indigenous father so it's my responsibility to contribute to understandings of blackness that transcend blood quantum But what it embodies is lived experience, honey. Now back to this concept of power politics or power relations within Indigenous Australia. When anybody begins to speak or represent a whole large collection of people, they are silencing other people that could be afforded the opportunity to speak. If you do not have lived experience, it's not about studying. It's not about how much you've worked in an area. It's not about this. It can always, it can often be important to, to attribute or contribute your academia or your profession. But most importantly, guys, it needs to boil down to lived experience. When discussing things like disadvantage or disparities, it is vital that those collectives that are marginalized are provided the opportunity to speak. (laughs) But we're not seeing that. We're not seeing people speak that are from, have experienced domestic violence. We're not seeing people speak that have had their children removed. 
We're not seeing people speak that are mothers or fathers or grandparents or a part of kingship care. Ex-drug addicts, alcoholics, juvenile centers, prisons. We're not seeing these people talk. We're seeing these figureheads. Now, Malcolm X speaks about this extensively. He goes into deep conversations around who the media props up. Now, I'm not going to get into the media because that is definitely another podcast, honey. That is not for today. But what you need to understand, these conversations of black and white have been discussed by the greats. I don't need an actress to talk for me. I don't need a singer. I don't need an athlete. I don't need a lawyer. I don't need a doctor. I don't need a politician. What Australia needs are people that have survived that scenario or are going through that scenario or whose parents have gone through it that can provide the insight in order to identify the realistic and really invested answers. It's so easy to map out, to study, to read probability, statistics, evidence. It's so easy to lean on these in a white man's structure. But what we need to do is move away from that. And we need to go back to what we knew. And that was the truth. The truth was in the people. The truth wasn't in the words. The truth wasn't in the numbers. (laughs) We don't need people to be black experts. To be black specialists. To be cultural, I don't know what they call themselves, cultural competency. What we need are people that are speaking from lived experience. Now again, going back into the white acceptability or the hierarchy, where where those that are in closer proximity to whiteness are propped up. Going back into that, what results? What are the results? Because I'm not the type of person that sits up here and talks about the problem. I want to talk about what is the end result, what happens, what is the product of that. And do you want to know what the product of that is? You all better be thinking it. um, Colonization. Perpetuating or following on with the colonial regimes or colonial power plays. But most importantly, black exploitation. The blackness, those people that are in those characteristics or categories, sorry. The people that are in those categories with those characteristics are exploited. They're exploited by the figureheads. The black experience is um, exploited. That is when we get into those stereotypes, the trauma porn, the journalism, the photography, the anthropology, all of these things that we have had problems with since the arrival of the British. 
They say a photo speaks a thousand words. That's a lie. <laughs> that is basic 101 that a photographer can exploit an entire situation, an entire scenario, and create a narrative. So why do people still say a, 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 a photo speaks a thousand words? Because that's a lie. That's a colonial lie. That's a white lie. To keep those in those photographs exploited and silenced. And who are they? Black and brown bodies. Who are they? Black and brown bodies. Who are they? Marginalised. Who are they? Oppressed collectives. I don't just sit here and talk about all the people that have been photographed. In, in magazines or National Geographics or, I don't know, Australian media or travel brochures or tourism. We all know who. You're not stupid. The level of black exploitation that we're seeing is horrendous. When I sit and think about it, it is absolutely disturbing to my heart, spirit and soul. These figureheads... They're not there to speak for free, honey. It comes with a check. It cuts a check. It pays their bills. It pays their mortgages. But they're so far disconnected. If you have had parents that have worked hard and contributed to you having an affluent background, if you have parents that are highly educated... That doesn't make you not black. That doesn't make you not an Aboriginal. But what that does not make you is a person that is in a in a position to speak for those demographics. Until you've had homework, until you've been in primary school and you've had homework and you've taken it home to your mum or your dad and you've needed their help but they couldn't do it. Even high school. You can't speak on it. Until you've had not one, but two poor parents. From low socioeconomic backgrounds, honey. You can't speak on it. Because you're taking away the platform. You're taking away the microphone from those that can. That's the thing with oppression. It's not, it's not dark and night. It's not uh, black and white. Power dynamics, exploitation, all of these nasty things. Power. They're very cunning. They're very manipulative. And that is very represent, uh, representative of where we are, where we are today. By presenting a narrative that is palatable, that is consumable, that is okay to white Australia, we can handle it. Because we can only handle a little bit of the truth. We can't handle too much. We can only handle a toe in the water, not the whole foot. It's too cold. It's too much of a shock to the system. 
And I'm speaking to my indigenous folk or my indigenous people right now. If you yourself feel yourself thinking about who am I speaking to? What can I say? What is appropriate? What is inappropriate? Will they like that? Is that okay? What type of white people will be in the building? If you too find yourself shaping and constructing and sanding down and um, making your own presentation or conversation or speaking speaking piece more palatable, you are a part of the problem. I said it. I said it. Because as a result of colonization, a lot of these actions... <laughs> They're not even thought out. A lot of these actions now are just a part of everyday life. Because that's what colonization has done. That is what power relations have done. That is what exploitation has done. Social stratification, guys. Social stratification does not only happen to white people. It happens to everybody. Within their demographics. Because this false narrative of Australia being a melting pot is a complete lie. I've been everywhere. Not WA. But I've been all over this country. Let me tell you. Everywhere I've gone. Everywhere my travels have taken me. I have never seen a melting pot. Never. All I've ever seen is racial divisions. Anyone that walks around this country will agree. So getting back into this conversation of moving forward, moving forward, we need to start regulating if you are in that position of power and you are inviting the people to speak and you are trying to engage with Indigenous Australia, you need to reflect on who's your go-tos, who's your point of contact. Why are we not having A, B, C and D and speak but rather having one, two, three speak? What are you regulating? What system are you maintaining? What order are you keeping in check? Because it's not easy at a gala night to sit there and eat your, your salmon or eat your lamb chop and your asparagus and your potatoes that they never quite give you enough of. Oh, and don't forget the wine, honey. White wine, red wine, the mineral water. What event would want black people or a black person up there speaking the truth about their dispossession? They would choke as if they got a mouthful full of salt, honey. Let me tell you. And that's the thing, guys. I have said this a hundred times. Salt and sugar looks the same. You don't know until you taste it. And these, these people that are in charge, the ones that are calling the shots, the ones that are handing out the mo- microphones or the podiums, <laughs> they've tasted it, honey. They've tasted it. If I turn on my TV one more time (laughs) and I see an actress or I see a playwright or I see a singer, even an athlete, speaking for black Australia again, honey, I'm going to lose it. But in saying that, I'm so used to it now. Why don't we have community leaders up there? Why don't we have community organizations up there? Why don't we have land councils up there? 
Why don't we have health initiatives up there? Ex-prisoners up there. (laughs) People just trying to survive. Because that goes back to the sugar and salt. It's not palatable. They can't handle the truth. There is a lot of money involved. There is a lot of cold, hard cash involved. Because these figureheads, they're not speaking for 10, 20, 100, 1,000. They're speaking for hundreds and thousands of people. That is who they're representing. That is why they're getting paid so much, given so many gigs, because they know what to say and what not to say because they're in close proximity to whiteness. They know how to read the body language. They know how to talk to white fellas. They can sit at a dinner table and feel comfortable with a whole table full of white people. Them being the only black person in that joint. And they will sit there and they will giggle and they will laugh. They will make the jokes, have the yarns. Read the social cues. When something's too touchy, when to bring out this, when to bring out that, when not to bring out that, when not to talk about that, don't ask a question, ask a question, they know what to do. And I don't want anyone that can regulate themselves so successful that they're sitting in the palm of these white elites. I don't want anyone speaking for me. I do not want anyone speaking for me, but does not have lived experience, but most importantly prop themselves up as a figurehead for white Australia to lean on every time they need a black insight. (laughs) We don't need a portfolio of faces to pick and choose. We all need the opportunity to speak about the various issues in their various capacities to identify the problem in order to find a reliable, a realistic solution. Guys, it's 2020. If you don't wake up, to this exploitation, if we don't start having these yarns, if you don't start writing to your Aboriginal land council, you know what, this fella's not right, you know what, this woman's not right, you know what, they, them is not right, sending them an email, why are you doing that, I don't feel comfortable, can you please let me know, why did you say that, why did you paint that, (laughs) until we start to take control, and my non-Indigenous folk, until you start to think, why is that person always invited? Why am I? Why is my manager always doing asking me to invite them to speak? Or why are they always on my um, on my for you page? Why are they so broadly accepted <laughs> within Indigenous uh, within mainstream Australia? Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. And I don't even need to say any names because the names that are these figureheads, the names that are exploiting us, aren't even worth it. They're not even worth it. You're not even worth it. But what is worth it is identifying this problem so we can move forward. 
Don't ever think that you can speak on behalf of someone because that is not our way. That, that is not blackfella way. When you look at our old people, when you listen to our elders in community, the mob back where you fr- where you come from, right? When you hear them speak, they'll never speak about someone else. They'll never speak about someone else's journey or something that never affected them. Them old black fellas, they just sit there and talk about what they know. We need to go back to that. We need to go back to that. But in the meantime, let me be crystal clear. Myself and countless others are finding our voices through this this uh, oppression through this trauma through this battle we are finding our voices just like my podcast just like my instagram even just like my tiktok i am finding my voice and i am using it for the good Cause I don't need a podium. I don't need a microphone. I don't need a big fat check. Sure as hell, I'd like one, but for the right reasons, honey. But I don't need one to speak, honey. I speak because of what I've been through, and I speak because of what I'm going through, and I speak because I want to make it a little bit easier for them young kids coming up. Blackness is not synonymous with poverty. Blackness is not synonymous with struggle. Blackness is not synonymous with culture. Just like white fellas. Just like any other nationality. It is lived experience. And we need to start critically thinking. We need to start analysing. We need to start understanding that. Because if we don't, the exploitation is going to be through the roof. And that race hierarchy that I'm talking about is going to see those that are connected to those issues, those that are in communities, those who are embedded in black Australia are going to be further dispossessed and disadvantaged. Even in my own journey, I recognise my privileges. I recognise that my parents moved me from country to the city. Let me be crystal clear. I grew up in a ghetto. I grew up in a hood. In every sense of the word. But I still understand that in a metropolitan area, you can hide a little bit easier when you're a black young person. Maybe a little bit more. Maybe in the suburb that I lived in was a little bit easier than others in Sydney. But I recognise the privilege. Think about our history, guys. Think about where we are and think about our future. What do we want to see? Because the way we're heading, honey, let me tell you, we are on a fast train to social stratification. We are on a fast train to further perpetuating silencing of the demographics that need to speak. Going back to my beloved Malcolm X, the person that pulled the trigger, the person that ended that stoic man's life was another person of colour. Reflect on where the hell we are and where the hell we're going. Decolonise your mind, but most importantly, (laughs) think about who the hell is talking to you 
and why. Thank you so much for our first episode of Fire Screens. I cannot wait for the next two um, episodes to come. You better strap yourself in, re-listen to this, re-listen to my other podcasts, get yourself prepared for the truth that is about to come spilling through your airways. Because I will continue. I will continue and I will continue and I will continue. Because I've got a message and I'm going to share it. Thank you so much. It has been an honor. Thank you for listening to the No One Podcast. I am your host, AJ. I can't wait to speak to you all again soon.